And, and it was the red light district. And this is where your grandmother lived. Yes. Um. <laughs> this is so perverse. It's like, this is where my grandma lived. Now let's take a ride at the elementary school and go find one of them sex hotels. I don't think this is a love hotel. I think this is a business hotel. Okay. As is this. That's a soba restaurant. All right. And I think. Sex and soba, man. That is a powerful combination. Well, so I'm guessing, as a podcast, you want audio, right? What <laughs> audio? It depends. Of, of like. Depends what we're talking. Crappy about. porn in the background. Uh, yeah, it should have porn, right? Ah, it should have porn, right? That is an odd question to put to my old friend and former Time Magazine colleague, Tokyo-based business journalist Toko Sekiguchi. But she is a gamer, that Toko. And for this episode, so near Valentine's Day, she's going to take us inside the world of Japanese love hotels. Toko and I have done this before, four years ago, while I was reporting for Matt Goulding's book, Rice Noodle Fish. But Japan is always in flux, and the infidelity industrial complex keeps on growing. So she and I are back. As a warning, just in case the last 26 or so episodes of this show have not made it clear, this is not appropriate content for children, or this week even for spouses. Listener discretion advised. This is Nathan Thornburg, and you're listening to The Trip, drinking with exceptional people around the world. I might need your help yeah. reading what exactly is happening here. Well, they were, I guess you should wait. Need, um, so you pay when you need leave. Oh. But you, if you need change, you press the change button. And if you have a member's card, you get points. Dude, you can get a membership oh, card? Okay. What? That's amazing. Uh, right now we have our um, Sunday special of six hours flat fee of 8,900 yen. I mean, listen, I don't want to get too personal here, but six hours of sex is like, <laughs> I think that's where the chafing begins, you know? I'm, yeah, not, you, I'm not really going to be paying <laughs> overtime. Usually for um, the, the normal uh, time is uh, two hours. Fair yeah. enough. Well, let's start in with the drink. What are we? What are we drinking here? So this is Strong Zero. It is shochu and probably really bad um, fruit juices. Strong Zero. So it's a can and it's a chuhai. It's a chuhai, and a chuhai is shochu mixed with anything pretty much. And shochu is like a it can be made out of. Barley, or it's a, it's the strongest kind of spirit that's native to Japan, right? Um, yeah, it's yeah, because you've got shochu and you got you know your nihonshu, and um, shochu was actually I think it's uh, originally from the south, where you didn't have you know rice got to it. to make sake. Uh-huh. Um, good rice and good water is 
you, you need that to make on sake and you know in the hotter areas you can't grow rice and so um, p potatoes and you know other starchy vegetables distilled into shochu is something that's I think I mean Kagoshima yeah, in yeah. that area they do a lot of shochu and Okinawa with their awamori that is also some strong hooch and that is actually um, made from Thai rice, oh. which makes me think that it's probably not native to Japan. The hmm. concept of, you know. Yeah, well, I don't. Maybe. I don't know that the Kagoshima ancestors would have imagined a world in which Suntory is popping out <laughs> cans of Strong Zero, uh, very lemony citrus chuhai. But chuhais are like a a secret weapon of Japan. Like they're ubiquitous. <laughs> they're they're a great like pre-game drink you know if you're getting ready to go out i mean listen everybody can do this differently for me it's like pop a chew high right and like it's like a cocktail in a I can mean, these are yeah like wine coolers except you know ridiculously stronger <laughs> there you go all right well cheers all right, cheers come bye come bye so um here we are with uh toko sekaguchi an old friend of mine once again in a love hotel <laughs> this is this is now our jam this is like our <laughs> our repeating uh date um we were in a love hotel four four years ago yes yes when i came through japan i was working on a on the book rice noodle fish and we did a little two-page spread about the it was more about the like the the rhythm of a of a night in a love mm -hmm. hotel yeah that, that was a good spread uh yeah it was just like you know like when it gets busy when the when the satellite starts to get a little glitchy <laughs> because all of a sudden you have all of these people crushing the place and like watching porn all at the same time uh when's the best time to order dinner at the love hotel <laughs> you know the kind of the uh the ins and outs that the thing that every um uh horny traveler needs to know we should say this there will be no sex in this episode <laughs> Toko and I are buddies. I'm, I'm uh, still... If you uh, say so. <laughs> about the buddies. That's right. No, yeah. about the no sex. Turn the machine off right now. Last time it was even better because I uh, I had actually left my wife and young kids at the hotel. And I told her, listen, I'm going and I, you know, uh, she knows you. So it was like, it, it was right, okay. Right, yeah. It was nice that, you know, you told your wife that you were <laughs> staying at a love hotel. And she's like, okay, go ahead. Have a good time. <laughs> Uh, have a good time. <laughs> At yeah. least be a little worried. Uh, she's a she's a cool girl, man. I don't think uh, it's just not in her vocabulary. But uh, uh, this time she's back home in New York. I did give her a heads up, just fair warning. I was like, I'm I'm going in again with Toko. <laughs> we're doing it'll it. be on record. We're doing the right. We're doing the Lava Hotel again because uh, you know better to tell her beforehand uh, than sort of have her uh, iTunes refresh and just be like. What the fuck? They <laughs> went back into a love hotel with Toko and recorded it. All right, so we're we're here to celebrate one very specific part of the Japanese culture, um, which is uh, love hotels. So the love hotel is it it exists in Japan partly um, for you know, practical reasons when, when you're young and, you know, everybody lives in tiny quarters 
And so even parents, you know, if, if you're sleeping in a tatami mat room with, you know, all your other kids, there's no privacy. Right. So it, it is actually, you know, uh, I think fact that people are having less sex in Japan for whatever reason. But back in the days when a young couple, if they wanted to have some privacy, um, you know, most people didn't move out of their parents' house until they got married. Mm-hmm. You know, especially Tokyo, it's not a, a car, you know. Um, so you can't even have sex no, in your car. So... And the cars are so tiny here. I would be terrified to try to have <laughs> sex in your average Japanese smart car. Yeah, that would be a lot of broken bones. And... <laughs> but so um, the Love Hotel sort of uh, fills that void of needing privacy when, you know, you can't do it at, you know, your, your boyfriend's parents' house. Right. College students. Uh, yeah, I was actually surprised when I was in college and... I had um, lunch with my friend and his his girlfriend, and uh, after that, you know, I was like, so what are you guys doing? He's like, oh, we're going to a love hotel. <laughs> so it's not something that's like, you know, a sh- something of shame. Right. Um, it's it's just part of, you know, having sex in, 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 a, in a country where the living quarters are so tiny and you get no privacy. I guess there is something about the love hotel, too, that... Clearly, like, you were meant to have sex here. This is oh yeah the vibe that you get from the second you walk in or see it from the outside. Right, because, um, so the one way that you know it's a love hotel, aside from, you know, Statue of Liberty, you know, placed upon the roof, or it looks like a, a French castle, um, <laughs> they have signs that say, uh, rest, however much, and then um, for stay. So two sets of prices, Normally, rest is two hours. We we got this place for six hours because it's a Sunday afternoon. Sunday special. Yeah. And it's, I mean, isn't Sunday, it's like perfect fucking time. Although love hotels usually are in, you know, Shibuya, Shinjuku, like busy restaurant bar areas. So you don't eat food here. You do your, your you go on a date and then after you finish dinner, you go to a love hotel. So... If you try to, you know, get to a love hotel in Shibuya, like on a Saturday, 10 p.m., you, you see couples like just wandering desperate for a room. Oh, my God. Um, and I've done that, too. <laughs> that's, that's like a rite of passage. <laughs> right. Just be like, crap, where is the love right. hotel? And, you know, you're sort of like looking down because you're, you know, you don't want to look people in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> when you got that right. like pre-sex look and you're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right, uh, fair enough. Like we were saying, you know, if if you were to spend a night in a business hotel in Tokyo, they are tiny ass rooms. You you have like a single bed and maybe a place where you can place your suitcase. And after that, there's you know no desk, no chair. You the the area is probably you know half or maybe a third of this room, and the bathrooms are tiny, 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 with a tiny shower stall with, you know, a tiny little bath. But if you go to a love hotel, you know, the beds are luxurious, and they have fancy bathtubs with neon-colored jacuzzis. Um, And when you consider the the prices, it's actually not that bad. Right. So our Sunday special is 8,900 yen. It's probably about 82 bucks or something. For six hours, uh, and it would be like 120 bucks to spend the night here. Yeah. Um, which again, for Tokyo, that would be like a, a business hotel. Mm-hmm. 
and it is huge. Like this place is like two rooms and there's a separate bath and then there's a shower and this deep jacuzzi. And that's something that they're kind of known for. So you'll have people who come to love hotels, even single. Um, so not, you're not going that far. Well, it's, it's changing. So one of the, you know, we were walking around and trying to find a love hotel, but a lot of them had, uh, have been turned into, you know, family friendly business hotels, like the right. hotel that we went to for your book. We were, we were at Takamine, mm-hmm. uh, four years ago and, and Toko was saying now that like, it's like they've got kids advertised right, on the website. You know. Uh, and not like the kind you're making, but right. like just like actual real kids who are coming to like terrorize the hallways and shit. Right, because um, when I was checking out the place when, when you were here last, they actually had a website back when it was a love hotel, but they had this little graph of um, a male figure and a, a female figure, uh-huh. and they would have combinations where it was okay and where it wasn't. Oh. And so they had male-female pair, okay. Okay. Male, male not okay, female, female, okay, female, single, okay, male, single, not okay. And then male, 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 female, male, female, like you couldn't have just all a trio of... in the cutout of the dog. Right. And like, you know, uh, that's yeah. definitely a dude that wrote that chart. <laughs> and so, one of the reasons why they, um, and I've heard this, uh, that they don't allow a lot of times for guys to come in um, single is because they don't want to be a place where they call in prostitutes because that's illegal. Right. That's funny. So like prostitution is illegal, um, but but this like hypersexualized uh, style of hotel is perfectly legal. You, you just can't like bring somebody in. Right. But people do come with prostitutes. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if it. you come as a couple with right. your prostitute, it's okay, but you can't call up a prostitute. <laughs> It's it's all about the detail. Let's talk about the Love Hotel sort of commitment to secrecy, because that's also sort of part of it. I right. mean, you know, we we've been talking about it mostly in context of of people who live at home with their parents, and you know, they come with the girlfriend and so on. There's a lot of cheating that goes on in Love Hotels, or at least a presumption of you would like to be a discreet as fuck in here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think outside of the city, you know, you'll have like the the grandma will come out in the parking garage and quickly like put a <laughs> put a shield in front of your license plate so that nobody can see that it's your car that's parked uh, at the love hotel um even this place that we're in right now seemed to have a very like labyrinthine exit and entrance scheme yeah the the system is the 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 these hotels are created so that you have minimal contact with other guests, mm-hmm. um, and in a lot of places, you know, you don't even have uh, contact with the the receptionist. You know, there there's a button that you you know those touch um, screen panels. Uh, you choose a room, you stick in your card or your cash or whatever. You don't have to speak to anybody, and they're created for you know one purpose and one purpose only. Although I would like to point out that um, things actually started changing, I think, in the mid '90s, where you know up until then, love hotels were you know these places that you go for you know necessity and discretion. And then mid '90s, late '90s, the travel guides. There's this really famous um, travel guide called uh, Tokyo Tokyo Walker. Mm. And these are 
sort of restaurant, amusement spots, you know, just guides for、um, Tokyo people or people coming in from from the the countryside, and they started doing love hotels、uh, spreads, so specials. Uh huh. And they sort of took the stigma out of going to a love hotel. And initially, they were、um, part of, you know, their features on where to take your girlfriend.、Um, and you know, this love hotel is,、uh, it, it's not as, you know, sleazy looking. And then slowly, it it also、um, started. Entertaining. Oh, you don't have to have sex in these places. And you know, if you can look at you know all the the things that they have, they have karaoke machines, they have you know DVD players, they have movies, and so they started suggesting people to have like parties here, where you can get a private room to、uh-huh. hang out with your friends、huh. and sing karaoke and watch movies and you know drink. And you, all you have to do is pay, you know, by by the hour, and you bring in your own food. And so, a lot of the stigma that was attached to, you know, love hotel being a place of sex,、um, started changing. And a lot of the hotels started having signs of like girls welcome, not not in terms of you know like sexy girls, right?、Um, have your parties here, right? And they started inviting guests who normally wouldn't not they would not have you know been patrons. That's、and、interesting. I think part of it was the need that you know there were less young people and、um, love hotels were sort of losing their、um, the their practicality because you know back in the sixties and seventies you really didn't move out until you got married. Right. But now you know a lot of single people live on their own. And so they can have their own love hotel、exactly. in there. They just rent it by the、yeah. month. <laughs> Good for them. So、right. they've changed the marketing,、um, and then we get into the last few years where a lot of、uh, foreign tourists,、uh-huh. you know, they're rediscovering Japan. Right. And right, the business hotels are tiny and expensive. Right. And so a lot of the love hotels have caught on to this, and they're they make renovations. To take the sex out of the love hotel and open as business hotels, so there's been an evolution in what function they play. I mean, I I still,、uh, Lord knows, we were both very much underage in the '80s, but I still, for me, that feels like the the golden era of love hotels because you can <laughs> sort of see that there was a total arms race going on、mm-hmm. between the love hotels because they. You have like the crazy themes, like you right, said, like、yeah. the Statue of Liberty, you know,、uh, on the outside of the building, where they'll have crazy names, like you know, I think one of my favorite ones is in Osaka or somewhere. It's called like Hotel Public Jam, <laughs> which is like <laughs> so great.、It's、just like I thought we were supposed to jam in private, whatever. It's Hotel Public Jam,、uh, but you know, you just and you have themes, right? Yeah. Like, Candy themed and like manga themed and or different sweets. I think even Takamine, the one we were at the last time, had like had like you know strong thematic、mm-hmm. uh, content in the rooms or different color schemes or whatever you know. So it's like right, and they have like rooms with dungeons and I mean I don't know because I've never been in a dungeon room, <laughs> but if I were to spend you know some time with my girlfriends, like I'd want to get the dungeon room to have a party with my girlfriends. Not not. Necessarily utilizing the dungeon for、yeah. its primary purpose,、right. but it's fun. Right, you know? right. 
Right. So, and, and especially in a city where, in, in this city, where in, uh, space is at such a premium to come yeah. in here, we could, I mean, in this space that we're in now, we could have like 12 people who mm-hmm. would fit very comfortably and have the karaoke machine going and all of that. Um, it's so interesting. And then like to, ref, you know, to kind of reflect back on the States, yeah, I remember that that was also a huge part of and I think it's less and less now. Uh, I mean, everybody's got porn on their fucking phones. So right. Even, but, like, porn in, like, every hotel. Mm-hmm. Like, always the late-night channels or the pay-per-view or the, you know, whatever. Yeah, this yeah. like, or even you, like, put money in the machine and you would have, like, some kind of, you know, this, the 80s in the, in the U- U.S., also had this very strong connection between like pornography, the kind of shit you couldn't get at home right. and hotels as well, <laughs> you know, where everything is sort of every Radisson is a fucking love hotel because yeah, yeah, yeah. they just had a bunch of porn. And, and listen, like you wouldn't want to shine a blue light on Ugh. on any of those hotel rooms in the States either. So, you know, before anybody starts to sort of, you know, judge the love hotel, mm-hmm. like what the fuck do you think happens in all of your favorite hotel chains around the <laughs> around the U.S., you know, it's it's going on. It's just the thing that to me is just like so delightful about Japan is that they really leaned into it. They're like this this is a hotel for the purpose uh, of of uh, of having sex, and we're just gonna. I mean, the fucking ashtrays in here are heart shaped ashtrays. And I think functionally speaking, I haven't really looked at the bed but i think a lot of them are you know waterproofed or have plastic covers like just for public health reasons you know (laughs) which makes sense it does make sense and and i have to say if 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 japan wasn't already the most like neurotically clean Mm -hmm. country i've ever been to i might feel differently about taking my my good friend toko always (laughs) to a love hotel and uh you know just sort of uh spending time there but Listen, I don't want to shine a blue light in this room either. I will say it's got a better chance of being clean here than it does anywhere else in the world. And I think a lot of the love hotels that, okay, I haven't been into a lot of them, but most of them, I feel like, you know, the hardwood floor here, like the tiles, Yeah. like this is not floor material in any hotel and in any apartment in Japan. But, you know, you wouldn't want to have a rug here and you probably wouldn't even want to have, you know, like wooden floors. And this sort of guarantees that it's sanitary, you know. That's funny. Yeah, I had thought about that because, of course, like a nice hard uh, granite floor is uh, terrible for podcasting. (laughs) It creates very, uh, you know, big echoing. But, you know, given the two evils, the tatami mat that could never be sanitized uh, but would sound great on the podcast, I'll I'll take the bouncy, (laughs) the bouncy hard floors. This place, like a lot of the love hotels, um has a touch panel where they have photos of the rooms and they, uh, a lot of them, you know, if they're in use, they would block it out or would say in use. Um, There was also another sign that said in preparation. So, you know, they're cleaning. They're sanitizing. They're sanitizing. Go get them. Yeah, I got to say, it's like a staycation. (laughs) You know, you're in your own town, but you're going to a hotel. And something, yeah. and it's certainly not something, you know, especially parents of young children or something. It's, it's just not even in the States, you don't even really think about giving yourself that option. You right, know, right. people are just kind of trapped yeah. in their own homes. I mean, whether for economic reasons or it's just not part of our culture to like go to a hotel so you can like just be a couple again 
feels like, you know, wrong and weird. And, you know, it, everybody in the States has got this, like, little priest inside of them that is just, like, you know, condemning them to hell. Well, also because, you know, just like I was saying, the living quarters, uh, a lot of people sleep with their children, mm-hmm. you know, Um even if you're not living in a tatami mat house or an apartment, I mean, a lot of my friends, you know, sleep with their children. And I know that the U.S. has the whole, you know, sleep training stuff. That's not really a thing here. That's not a thing. No. And so my friends who have, you know, uh, more than one kid, they, they would either have to have, you know, sex while the kid is sleeping in their bed or this or go to a love hotel and among the other advantages here you have karaoke you have some sort of strange vending machines you do have dvds you were saying there were movies there's obviously i'm sure just a shit ton of porn yeah that you can watch here but there's also like troy i saw them advertised downstairs and like i mean it's not my kink that's not what i like to have sex to (laughs) but you can watch like Hollywood blockbusters uh, and, you know, just see Gerard Butler and, right. you know, get it, get it going. But so it's the, there is like this whole parallel, like you could have a parallel, you know, kind of stay here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that, that idea of uh, the amenities arm race uh, yeah. for the love hotels is, you know, it keeps it, it, it keeps it uh, attractive for people, I guess. Um, this district we're in, uh, Yushima is the district that your family's from. One, some part of your family? Yeah, on my mother's side, um, my grandmother, who actually passed away this year, she she was 96. I oh, mean, my It goodness. was a good life. It was the most boisterous funeral. I mean, the, the priest was like, I've never been to a happier funeral. My grandparents are originally from Fukushima, but then when they moved out to Tokyo, where my mother was born, they, uh, I think, moved around a little bit, but settled in Yushima. This is actually not a residential area. After the war, I think there were tiny little houses, but Yushima as a district um, was a red light district. Okay. And uh, this is because Yushima has a very famous shrine. Um, I'm very curious to see how this connection works. (laughs) You have a religious shrine, and therefore it became a red light district. Right. So um, the the shrine is, and I'm going to probably mess up the name and get the wrong scholar, but a very famous Japanese scholar, Yushima Tenjing. God, I hope it's a shrine. I'm so embarrassed if it's a temple. <laughs> but at this point, a, a shrine spot, and a yeah. temple is kind of, I mean, it used to be one and the same okay. until the Meiji era where they said, you know, shrines True. and temples need to be separate. But You're just keeping it historic. <laughs> Uh, around here but um so uh enshrines a a very famous uh, japanese scholar and so this is the shrine where students come to pray for a safe entry into their college or high school or middle school of choice and it's a very famous very popular shrine for students back in the edo period going to the shrine was like picnicking for city dwellers um and also for people who are coming from the outer skirts of the city. And because, you know, Japan until the, the, the modern day or the modern era didn't have, you know, Monday through Friday work weeks. Right. You worked through and you got 
a couple days off in the New Year and a couple days off in the Obon Festival where you go back home to right. um, worship your ancestors. And so going to the shrine is, you know, the you, you it's respite from, you know, it, it's like picnicking. Got it. And so in a lot of areas, the shrine and the red light district um, sort of coexist because this is where people go when they have the day off mm-hmm. and they go say hi to you know your your god or the gods and then on your way home you go to the restaurant maybe you know walk around in a brothel to see you know <laughs> and it's uh going to the shrine was maybe less of a religious experience and more of a cultural outing like an excursion right so it's not like it's not like going to church and no, then no. going, you know, immediately from <laughs> sermon to just going, having sex in a Pokemon right. themed right. room or something. Yeah. It's much more like we're, we're out here checking this box, like, you know, doing our part to give ourselves good luck and then we're going to eat and drink and fuck. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the famous temple in Asakusa, there's a, you know, a huge restaurant area surrounding it. Um, even Omotesando, the word Omotesando means the front um, Sando is the, the street that leads up to a shrine. Uh-huh. And there is actually a Ura Sando, Ura meaning back to the, the shrine. Uh-huh. And so Omote Sando now is as fancy as, you know, shopping restaurant district. Right. But it's got its origins and having been the, the street that goes up to the Meiji shrine. And then it kind of turned into entertainment district right. afterwards. So Yushima besides being uh, the home to your late grandmother and now your aunt and uncle, is a place that had always traditionally been like kind of an entertainment district around this shrine. Yes, and uh, red light districts um, back in the Edo period, you, you had to have a, a government license to run. And normally a red light district consisted of restaurants and a room for rent or space for rent yeah. and the brothels. And the room or space for rent, it wasn't necessarily a hotel to, to be with your prostitute. It was also, you met with, you know, business partners or uh, it was just a place to meet people. Uh-huh. And so those places didn't serve food. So you had restaurants who, you know, catered and brought their food. Got it. You know, you, you could choose your prostitute and meet with her in the hotel or you know, space for rent areas. And so after they uh, outlawed red light districts after the war, restaurants were restaurants, brothels, you know, were just banned. But these space for rent turned into hotels. Um, and, and there was one hotel that was called like Hotel Love or something in Osaka. This is what I read. It was like, that's, that's how the Love Hotel name got its oh, start or something. <laughs> Although it seems kind of stupid because what... Of course you'd call it a love hotel. Well, there's a love hotel, and the predecessor to that was, they called it a tsurekomiyado, which translates into a lodge where you bring people in. All right. And so tsurekomiyado, in my image, is kind of a run-down, sleazy-ass, satami mat, you know, moldy place where you have sort of, you know, moist futon. Now but. you're really getting my juices flowing here. God, that's with none of you know this with uh, zero karaoke, and, the karaoke yeah. and 
and your um, blockbuster movies. But they, they had places like that where you stay for a couple hours. Right. And so um, Tsurukomiyados, a lot of them turned into love hotels. And so I think it's hard to sort of pinpoint when the Tsurukomiyados ended and where the love hotels started. Right. But definitely, you know, the defining feature of the love hotel is this like kind of like pizzazz. Yeah. <laughs> is that a word? For, for, like, for the, the yeah. modern love right. hotel. Yeah. I right. Think so. uh, and it's not the the pizzazz does not always hit. Like sometimes you're just like, man, that's just <laughs> sad, you know. Uh, but the intention is always there yes. on the part of the uh, part of the owners to just like like the zebra hotel, which is right, just yeah. like black and white striped and like giant eyesore but Mm -hmm. it's there you like people know like this shit is like this is where you come so the setup here also includes like some kind of light yeah and i think that's also fairly common for um the newer ones uh they have a lighting fixture or light switch at the head of the bed and they have scene one scene two scene three scene four where um different combinations of different lights and Japanese living quarters are not known for their mood lighting, you know, uh, if you've been to like an old apartment, right. you know, fluorescent yes. lights and Big that fans actually, of fluorescent light here during the war, they, everybody had to, you know, cover their windows because uh-huh. when the air raids were happening, yeah. you wanted it to be dark because you didn't want to be a target. Right. And, uh, there were, you know, ordinances that, you know, you had to, you know, turn down the light. And so after the war, where they no longer had to do that, it was more light, the better. Oh, and that's, that's... a very dark backstory, but that makes a lot of sense. And that's where... Jesus Christ, there's a lot of light in this country. And it's really gross fluorescent light. Right. So yeah, mood lighting is not part of normal living quarters right. um, uh, until, you know, fairly recent. So in a hotel where they've got, you know, different floor, ceiling, bed, you know, there there's at least a dozen um, different lights and they're all, you can all control, you know. Right, the... and it goes like blue and right. soft green and my favorite is if you press button number four, there's just a spotlight right on like where the genital area would be on the bed. <laughs> it's just like, I don't want to see anything else except like your ass in motion, you know, uh, which is really funny. It's just like, I mean, it's like, it's like you're conducting your own, right. like very dramatic movie about, you know, uh, some dude just like jackhammering away, uh, with his like center focus. I've, I've never, I've never seen that before. That's, that's very and, you know, impressive. They try to do everything they can to create mood because, you know, when you take a look at their windowless, and I think that's actually been an issue recently of um, fire hazards. And uh-huh. I've read about several, um, you know, fires in love hotels where the emergency door was locked or the window that led to the emergency stairs had been shut because these rooms normally don't have windows for, I mean, good reason. You, you don't want to be, you know, seen. Right. And most of these places um, are windowless and it's, you know, like a cave. And so you want to, you know, you're doing everything you can to create mood. And so lighting is is one way to do that. So that spotlight just like right. halfway <laughs> down the bed is exactly the way to do that. Um, all right. Well, let's take a break. Uh, I, I think 
you know, well, one, I, I came from the north of Japan, uh, near from where your family was originally from in Fukushima, mm -hmm. from a town that is very famous for its beef tongue. And mm -hmm. I brought you something called beef tongue pie, Yay. which was the only words in English on the box. And I have no idea what a beef tongue pie is actually supposed to be, but it sounded like a perfect thing to bring to a love hotel. <laughs> anyway. Beef tongue pie. So we're going to take a beef tongue pie break and figure out what the hell that is. Uh, and then maybe we'll, I don't know, maybe we'll watch some porn. This is something that Toko and I uh, have, have had running conversations about in the past, which I find uh, very interesting and, and not very flattering for either of our cultures. But, like, the porn vibes are very different, right. but, like, equally fucked up, like, just in different ways uh, for uh, Western or American porn uh, versus Japanese porn. Um, so let's have a break. All right. All right, so they have a giant screen. It's like a, uh, it's a projector. It's a projector. Which is funny because it's projecting on the wall right next to like a very <laughs> fucking large screen television. But I guess in this room it's the way to like put the porn on the wall right in front of the bed. All right, so what are the, what are the categories? Um, the categories are from the very top, um, new arrivals. The second category is popular actresses. Third one is housewives. Show is not a sex term, but it's and I guess the closest thing is mature women. Dozuma literally translated is someone else's wife. Amateurs, a variety show type of 50 girls you know, in bikinis and non-Japanese. 16 titles. Fetishes. School swimwear. Cosplay. Girl in a short skirt, big boots, showing panties, ejaculation, crab <laughs> scissors. Wow, this is like UN level <laughs> translating. <laughs> so, if you want to get very non Me Too, it's male boss, female subordinate, ejaculatory sex. Is there any of this that would feel like at all female centric? Or is it all just like by dudes for dudes? Um, I know that it's kind of a burgeoning industry, like porn for women, mm -hmm. um, produced by women. Right. But I'm guessing that's kind of a bit progressive, so you wouldn't. You wouldn't see it on see the see it on, on the, the big screen love here. hotel. Yeah. And another sort of side note to all this porn is that in the past um, couple of years, a few actresses have come forward and a few women have come forward saying they were coerced into, into performing. Um, that actually got uh, mainstream press attention. Huh. And so it's finally sort of forced the industry to own up to something that was kind of an urban legend of, you know, women being sold into or coerced into performing. Yeah, that oh, really takes the fun out <laughs> of porn. So, yeah, right. that, that's kind of been the changing um, environment of porn. Which one would you like to... I don't know. You're, 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 in, the, you're in the driver's seat. This is... Dental assistance? Sure. Perfect. And he says, uh, what? Strange uniforms. 
They are strange uniforms. They're all wearing like the assless chap. So I think what's going on is the the protagonist is. I think that's a big word for this film. The hero of the hero. of of the, of the story um, is a man whose face we don't see right. because we want to vicariously have right. sex through him. So all his thoughts and his um, his words we don't hear. It's just written in subtitles at the bottom. And so when the dental assistant asked, um, you know, are you in pain? The camera nods, but you don't hear the, the response or see the face of our hero. And he's in the waiting area and he says, what? You can see their asses. It's hard to tell if this is our protagonist. That's <laughs> very true. Yeah. So we're seeing a, a boner and um, the guy in jeans. We don't really know if this is the guy sitting next to him or no. this is our hero. I can't remember the last time I had an erection at a dental office. <laughs> and they have like video game music playing in the background. Yes, it is video game. So I guess this would be kind of like virtual reality porn. Oh, that's interesting. Because you're seeing the the girls from the point of view of our hero, but we don't see his face and we don't hear him. And so it's just his vision, so you get like a close-up of the face, the, the camera moves when, when he says yes. The camera just moves up and down. And so the assistant is saying, you know, you, you can you can touch my boobs and maybe you'll feel better. It's not gonna help him feel better. No. I mean if you came in for like a tooth problem. <laughs> and so he has two dental assistants um, trying to make him feel better for his, you know, his <laughs> Tooth pains, his toothache. Very unorthodox methods. And we are being led into the the room, the dentist's office, and then we have a dark screen saying, "I will come back anytime, even without cavities." Hooray for this dentist's office! And we see the our legs. We we are getting. <laughs> Our scope of vision is... It's all very... They're very disciplined about that first-person, like, uh, point of view. <laughs> and so the, there's a new dental assistant who, who's explaining that her her boobs would will make him feel better and it's like laughing gas like he would not be so scared so the dental assistant is like speaking into the camera because yeah. we are the protagonist well, 
Fuck all that. Let's go, <laughs> let's go get rum. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for coming to the Left Hotel. Always a pleasure. <laughs> let's do it again <laughs> in another four years. Part three. Part three. The Trip is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg, produced by Roads and Kingdoms. Taffy Mokanyadze is our editor and, like Toko, a total gamer. Emily Marinoff is our producer and audio wizard who brought us to the streets of Tokyo this week. Music by Dan the Automator with ad music from Delore. Adele Rodriguez did our artwork. Executive producers are me and Matt Goulding, also of Roads and Kingdoms. That fine production team, along with myself, are super excited about a new focus and how we frame this show, The Trip. And that started with this episode. From now on, we're going to give you two or more episodes in a row from a single destination. It will allow us to be more on the ground, in the street, guided by and going deep with a few select people who define the culture in the places we're lucky enough to visit. Next week, we'll be in Tokyo again with Anthony Bourdain's first fixer in that town, the famous food guru Shinji Nohara. Drinking beers at 7 in the morning and spiking our ramen with a bottle of pure umami sauce that had a very aggressive name. It's more like it, you know, uh, hit in your face. <laughs> more like it. Punch in the face. Punch, punch your face. Punch your nice. face. Nice. Yeah. We'll meet you there. <laughs>